Welcome to episode 66 of Your Kids Next Read podcast, in which we talk about kids. No, we don't talk about kids. We talk about books and reading for kids of all ages. I'm Alison Tate, author of middle grade adventure series, The Mapmaker Chronicles, The Adaban Cipher, and my latest, The Maven and Reeve Mystery Series. And I'm here with my co-host, the inspiring Megan Daly, celebrity teacher librarian at Children's Books Daily and author of Raising Readers, How to Nurture a Child's Love of Books. Megan and I, along with our good friend, author Alison Rushby, are founders of the Your Kids Next Read community on Facebook. Search for Your Kids Next Read there to join us. So what's occurring in the fortress of Megan this week? Well, I'm like thanking you or I'm acknowledging something that you said that I realised I I do. In episode 65, you talked about how you write out your whole script for your mm. author talks. Mm. And I've been preparing for to speak to New South Wales EALD teachers about books which represent the migrant experience on Zoom. I'm not off to New South Wales. And I realised that I um, I do that. I kind of write out everything I want to say, but then I don't read it out verbatim. No. But I, I thought I've never sort of saved those particularly before, Alison Tate. Oh. So I know. I mean, I just sort what? of. What do you I do know. with them? Well, because I write a fresh talk every time, but I realised I had some really good content in there, so I've sort of I, I've <laughs> run it up. As, I know, I know. These are the things that you don't know about me. I you reinvent the wheel every time, every single time. So what I've done is wow. I've created a lovely folder which now says talks, and I've got my first script in there. So I'm thanking you very, very much. I'm, um, quite, I'm quite excited by the fact that I've shared that with you. But also, like, what are you thinking? How can you rewrite? How can you redo it every single time? Because I like it to be really specific and personalised. But as you were talking in the podcast last week, I thought, but I am anyway, because I don't read the script. But what you said struck such a chord with me because you said it sort of refreshes your memory about what you want to talk about. And I thought, oh, that's all I need. I just need to have written it all out, yeah. saved it, and then I am going to do it fresh every time, but I've got that there as my backup. Yes, I don't know. Because, you, because you have big chunks of stuff that are, are, are constants I in know. various I don't things. Know that why. No one I ever can't... told me that before. So your quick tip was so good for me last week. I can't believe we've known each other this long and we've never had that conversation. Oh, well, you know, this is why we do the podcast. I learned from you. I'm not sure what you learn from me, but here we are. I'm always entertained, that's for sure. Well, as this episode goes out, I'm in Brisbane at the Yay! Reader's Cup final. Very excited and having a lovely time. Um, I'm actually back on the South Coast on Saturday, though, for the Bundanon Literary Festival on the 3rd of September. And I'm going to be in conversation with the wonderful Kate Forsyth. And we're going to be talking. So I know. We're going to be talking about creativity and, I don't know, fairy tales, I guess, and all sorts of things. And I'm also doing a, a writing and illustrating workshop for kids with Dale Newman. Um, who, of course, was the illustrator for Kid Gloves, which was a graphic novel mm. that um, Book Boy absolutely loved when he was about, I don't know, 12 or so, 12 or 13. Um, and, of course, speaking of Book Boy, uh, his single, Joe Visser, because he has, does not actually put out music under Book Boy, <laughs> although I did say to him it would be so much easier if you just did that because, you know, everyone would know who you were. Uh, no, Joe Visser's single drops on Saturday, streaming on all platforms. Uh, it's called Left Behind. You can follow him as an artist on Spotify, he tells me, if that's your platform, um, or at, at 
Joe Visser Music on the various social platforms, including TikTok, where I am not allowed to venture because I am <laughs> apparently too old. I mean, honestly, he wants my support. Um, so you, you know, if you if you're out there and you you just need to hear a new song, um, we would absolutely love it if you would have a stream, have a little listen to that. Um, and if you like what you hear, please please share it because it makes such a difference to young artists to help you know get that word out. Thanks for listening. That was my <laughs> that was my promo spot for the week. <laughs> Do you have a kid aged 9 to 14 who loves to write or one who'd love to write better? Send them on a creative writing quest with best-selling author Alison Tate. With 12 online modules, the course will take your young writer from ideas to finished story with personalised video feedback from Alison on their complete masterpiece. Find out more at writercentre.com.au forward slash quest. That's writercentre.com.au forward slash quest. Turning our attention to the actual bookish kind of content of our uh, podcast, what have you got in your book mail this week? I have got three brand new ones to me. The first one is Grub by Sandra Seragini, I think. Mm. And she is the author and illustrator of this book, which The Smallest Bee and I absolutely loved. On the floor of the rainforest, Far below the tree canopy, a small grub has a big question. Sensing that his body is about to change, he wonders what he will become. So he turns to his friends for answers. The lady beetle, the cicada, the dragonfly and the monarch butterfly all describe what they looked like before they changed. And none looked like the grub. Eventually, the grub begins to change and his transformation is spectacular. Now, this one has got amazingly realistic illustrations really vivid detail it's gently funny it's all about life cycles obviously in particular the life cycle of the hercules beetle and other insects that undergo metamorphosis um it's it's just gorgeous and i was i had a really proud parenting moment the smallest bee when we finished and i turned to the final end paper and we you know admired the final end paper together he said megan megan and he turned back to the first end paper and I was like, oh, I have really succeeded in parenting this week. He <laughs> noted that on the first end paper we have the, um, you know, beetles and what have you, and then on the final end paper it's what they've changed into. And I was like, mate, life goals. You've there worked you out go. the end papers are an important part of the story. So Gold I was very star. pleased. Gold star right there. I know, yeah. <laughs> um, my second one is The Marvellous Manner of Water by the marvellous Philip Bunting. I oh. mean, the man is prolific. I was going to say, this is like about <gasps> our fourth Philip Bunting shout-out this know. year. I know, but I just, it's a bit like the Nova Wheatman thing. What can you do when they're just so good? We're going to have to do, like, I reckon at the end of the year, we're going to have to do a top ten of the number of who mentions. We, yeah. Who did we rave about the most yeah. this year? Yeah. yeah, My sister's great at spreadsheets. I'll get her onto it. Yeah, get her um, onto that. This one is about water, obviously. Water is the stuff of life. None of us would be here without it, but what can we learn from it? Take a plunge into the big blue to discover the life lessons water has to teach you. Now, I'm going to be buying multiple copies of this one for our year twos who look at the water cycle, and it's very much in the vein of the gentle genius of trees and the wonderful wisdom of ants, which I've talked about on the podcast before, and I've got full reviews of at Children's Books Daily. It's a kind of a gentle uh, narrative nonfiction. It explores connections to water, its molecular makeup, um, and the beginnings of water and the different forms of water. It describes the effect 
that water has on our lives through the water cycle and erosion and the water inside our bodies. It's just beautiful. And I just, I don't know, I just adore everything that Bunting Man does. So <laughs> highly recommending have you that met? One. Have you met the Bunting Man? I have met the Bunting Man back when I didn't, he didn't have many books out. I met him and his delightful wife, Laura, and I, I didn't, gush because at that stage I was just you know I think I was doing something for them at a book launch or something and now if I met them I would be a lot more gushy it's probably the for the best because now you'd just be like fangirling do you know what I was also just thinking like Mm -hmm. I'm just going to put this in your mind for next year Mm. but I honestly feel like you could do book bunting of just bunting books couldn't you you could do a full bunting of buntings (gasps) am I am I a genius I am it's just just my my library displays will be complete when I have bunting bunting. I am so excited for that. I am on that. Um, and my final book is The Colourful World of Poppy Star Olsen, a novel inspired by the life of the Australian Olympic skateboarder. It is written by Poppy Star Olsen with Jess Black, who oh, is Jess one Black, of – Who we also rave about. I know, we do. I was just going to say that. So this one is a funny and fresh novel for young readers, I'm saying from about nine plus, from the Olympic skateboarder um, and creative soul, Poppy Star Olsen. The blurb says, my name is Poppy Star Olsen. I'm 12. I'm a bit of a dreamer. Okay, a lot of a dreamer. I love drawing and being creative. I also swim, surf and skate. And well, this is my story. You'll meet my family. They're really loud, but I love them to bits. And you'll meet my friends. They're so cool. There's some drama in my story too. Think an awesome skate comp I'm not allowed to enter, but then I am and it's going to be cancelled. I have to figure out how to save the comp and work on my best tricks in the bowl and keep up with my schoolwork and create my art. There's so much to do, but it's an epic adventure. I have really loved following the rise of the rise of Poppy Star Olsen. My um, brothers were both massive skateboarders and, in fact, my youngest brother, who has a learn to surf business, Ombi Surf, he has just built an enormous skate um park thing in the backyard of somebody and he builds these sorts of things and really? is a mass yeah it's epic i will try and find some footage of it oh, it is you, did you just hear yourself then epic i'm you so just, i think you just hit 15 year old teenage boy uh, land there <laughs> i really love i know but i really love skateboarding i always have so i was really excited. do you do it what do you think no <laughs> I'm thinking no, because I'm thinking that Are if you, you were if you were to take up skateboarding, I kind of feel like there would be many grazes and well, many accidents. Given I have a daughter who's broken her arms mm, nine times, you yeah. know, and she comes from me, I think we both know mm. the answer to that. You just but like I, to watch it. I love watching it. So mm. I'm really excited about this one. And I love anything with Jess Black's name on it. Because she's one of our top ten, apparently. <laughs> Well, I have got a couple of books here that I'm going to share. I've only got two this week. And the first one, and I have to say that this cover is just stunning and I could not go past the book because of the cover. It's called The Goodbye mm. Year. It's by the wonderful Emily Gale. I just looked Gale. at the cover. It is just oh beautiful. My gosh. There's foil. It's got foil. So nice. Um, look, I love the idea. I haven't read this, okay? It's only just arrived in the post, but Mm. I am going to shout it out because the cover is so gorgeous and it's about grade six. It's about the final year at primary school. Um, You know, it's just one of those, that's a sweet spot for me. I love the Mm. whole kind of end of primary, beginning of high school for me is one of those times where I just feel like, 
it all happens, doesn't it? It's like a, it's a, it's a big, big year. I'll just read you the back. It's the start of 2020 and Harper is excited about her final year at Liver, Liver, River Lark Primary. Not liver lark, river lark <laughs> primary. But one by one, things go wrong. Her best friends are made school captains and they are so busy with their roles, they don't seem to have time uh, for her anymore. Her parents take jobs overseas as nurses in a war zone and she's bundled off to stay with her grandmother, who she hardly knows. Then the pandemic arrives. Now, I'm just going to say that I have not read too many novels in this sort of middle not. grade space where. The, the pandemic is even mentioned, so there's that, bringing more things to worry about. Harper's special year is turning out to be nothing like she'd hoped it would be. And then there's the ghost. Who is the boy in the library? Why is he here? And will he help Harper find a way to be happy with her goodbye year? I mean, it just sounds absolutely lovely. Emily mm. Gale is a beautiful writer. She, of course, wrote Elsewhere Girls with Nova Wheatman, um, which has just been shortlisted for a historical fiction prize, I believe. Mm. Um, and she has written several books um, in the sort of like tween YA space earlier than that. And I really love her writing style. And I think she captures this age group really really well so i i think this is one to definitely have a look at and if nothing else pick it up because the cover is stunning <laughs> um and then the other one i've got is called the ape star by frida nilsson and this is a really it's an award-winning chapter book about prejudice and justice um it's about an orphan girl who is adopted by a gorilla who owns a junkyard of course um and a surprising friendship that grows between them so i'll, I'll read the back jonna lives in an orphanage like all the other children she dreams of being adopted by a well dressed mother who smells of perfume. One day a beat up car pulls up, the door opens and out steps a thick hairy leg in a muddy boot, followed by a belly <laughs> as round as a barrel and finally a head like an overgrown pear. It's a gorilla. Surely the orphanage won't let a gorilla adopt a child, but to Joanna's horror, gorilla chooses her. And it's a, it's a lovely book. It's a, it's a, um, it's a bestseller and apparently there's a film. Um, but what I will say also about this book is I love the design of it. It's actually, it's quite an unusual size and it feels, and it's about to do with the um, paper stock and the cover, but it feels satisfyingly heavy and grown up to hold, like more like a graphic, it's got that graphic mm. novel feel to it. But it's it's a prose novel. It's got some really lovely uh, black and white illustrations throughout it, but it's definitely a novel. Um, but the text is not overwhelming and it's funny. So I feel as though it's one of those books that um, that you sort of reluctant readers in the 10 plus are area love. are really going to love. Mm. Yeah, really, really love because it does feel, you know, some books are just really satisfying oh, to hold. I know it's exactly one of those. what you mean. <laughs> it's one of those. Um, and that was our book mail for this week. Imagine your dad gets the top job but isn't exactly up to it. Then he sneaks off on holiday leaving the country without a leader. What would you do? Carla Fitzgerald's How to Be Prime Minister and Survive Grade 5 is a funny, fast-paced new novel for future changemakers aged 8 to 12. Out now from University of Queensland Press. All right, now, Megan Daly, we're going to do something a little bit different for our bingo this uh, this week because, you know, it's the end of book feels like book year, yes. but it's, it's book, book week, book term. And you, of course, have been very, very busy with your teacher librarian role. So I thought we might do a little bit of a Q&A. We're going to get inside the secrets of a school librarian. And so I've got some questions for you. Okay. okay. Are you ready? You are in well, the hot seat. 
I, I'm not that prepared because no, you no. kind of spring this on no, me. No, so no. Nobody I'm... should take this as like. No, but I wanted it to be like that. I just <laughs> okay. wanted it to be like, as I say, in the hot seat. I feel like yep. you, this is like the 7.30 report. Oh, <laughs> not Lee Sales. No, I'm not. Mind you, we have a lot of similarities. We, like I love to listen to Lee. I love to listen to Lee. There are a lot of similarities there. Um, all right. Are you ready? First thing, uh, question one. First thing you do when you get to the library in the morning. If it's winter, I turn on the heating because my library is freezing. If it's summer, I don't turn on the air conditioning because the air conditioning makes the library freezing. But (laughs) first thing I do after I've done that and turn on the lights is I check my planning for the day because my days, once the kids arrive, are incredibly busy. And if I haven't checked out what lessons I've got and what I'm doing and pulled all the resources together for them, I am beside myself. Okay, question two. Last thing you do before you leave. Right. Um, Well, the last thing I do when the kids leave the library in the afternoon is I go through all of my emails. I mean, I do that throughout the day, otherwise it's overwhelming. But I also go through like Twitter and some of my um, more professional social media because I really like to look at articles and, um, you know, read research articles on teach librarianship and reading in general. I subscribe to a lot of um, paper book journals like the Book Curator, which is one of my favourites. So I like to have a look at those. I also update my planning because I work at an international baccalaureate school these days and our planning is um, very fluid and we, we do it with the children and where they're at. So I update my planning so that everybody knows what's happening. Okay weirdest thing you've ever found used as a bookmark dog food what dog food yeah like a piece of kibble stuff Uh uh-huh no joke yeah dog food um i mean i find mrs malter and i find all manner of things as bookmarks tissues is very popular i just always hope they're clean um yeah we find a lot of you know letters and and but dog food i have to say that will go down in history okay you win (laughs) i wouldn't have thought of that All right, strangest request for a book. I've had so many strange requests, but my latest one is just gorgeous. I've had this little boy coming in every day for a week. Like he came in every single lunchtime. Have you found the book yet? His request was, it started with, it's a book about ancient Rome. And I was like, great, no worries. So we're looking through the ancient Rome books. There's quite a lot, but I thought it would be easy. No, we didn't have the one. We showed him all the photos on the catalogue. No, it wasn't those ones. He said it had red on the cover. Great. Okay. So we look again. Um, and then he, the next, and this sort of went on. He was asking me different things about this book. He came back every day with a bit more information. And on the final day, he stood in front of me, and I'm doing the hand actions, and he did like, he said, it's shaped like this, and he shaped his hands into a rectangle. And I was like, <laughs> mate, that is so helpful, really helpful. Okay. But we actually narrowed it down. We went through his borrowing history. We found this book that he had borrowed at some point. We had to go and get it back from a classroom. A teacher had it on loan. It was very exciting. He just was beside himself. So it was a, a cute request, but I just love the way he's like, it's rectangle shaped. Oh, that's that's all I needed to know. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, question five, best tip for covering books? Please don't use contact on picture books. Please use plastic because the... Pla- the, the picture book will outlive the plastic. I've got picture books from my own childhood and my mother, who is a teacher librarian, covered my own childhood books in plastic. I've been able to remove that plastic and they are still brand new underneath. If you cover it in contact, 
the contact will eventually deteriorate and then you have to throw the whole book out. So please invest in good plastic for covering picture books. Okay. Most popular book in the library at the moment? Weirdly, it's Bluey Easter, which I'm finding really triggering because I tend to weed out the Christmas and Easter books when they're not in season because I hate it when children take home Christmas books in the wrong month. But this book has got reserves on it and it's like doing the rounds and I have no idea why. And Mrs. Malta keeps (laughs) allowing reserves on it and I just want to like take it out of circulation until it's appropriate. But also ever popular is Philip Bunting, um, you know, as discussed earlier. Aaron Blabley, um, School of Monsters by Sally Rippon is always popular. Dragon Girls is a new series for about grade one, two readers, so popular. Wings of Fire for readers a bit older. Bad Guys is always popular. Sammy Bailey is really, Sammy Bailey is incredibly popular and anything Minecraft to the point Mm. that I've said you may only borrow one Minecraft book a week. Mm. Consistently most popular category in your library. Graphic novels and dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. We still haven't done the dinosaur episode. We've got to do the dinosaur oh, episode. Oh, no, we should do that. All right, question eight. Describe the library at lunchtime. Um, well, I've got two spaces in my library. I have the Spark Lab, which is where we have, like, makerspace type activities, and then I have the, like, actual library space, and we're trying a new thing, Alison Tate, Ooh. where Mrs Malter and I are trying to keep one, one of those spaces quiet because the library at lunchtime, like, sometimes the deputy will walk in and he's a hilarious man and he'll just be like, oh, my word. Like, every, it feels like everybody in the school is in the library at lunchtime. It's like a seething mass of humanity and wow. small people and germs. Um, but we are trying a new thing where we're moving some children into the Spark Lab if they want to make a space type stuff. And then we're trying to make it quiet in the actual library space, which is very not Mrs. Malter and I because we're both very loud, but we're trying to make a serene space. A serene space. I like <laughs> it. But it's very busy. How long does it take you and Mrs. Malter to do returns every day? Well, we've got a brilliant system, which did not work when Mrs. Walt- Mrs. Malter was away for two weeks recently. Um, we do the returns as the classes come in. So the classes come in, they do their returns, Mrs. Malter returns them, and she pretty much reshelves them. So we try to keep up with the returns because when Mrs. Malter was away, I was, um, there was piles everywhere and I was drowning in them. So you have to keep circulating all that time. Okay. Question 10. How many books do you take out of circulation every year and why do you remove them? Um, I removed thousands of books when I started at my library. I remember that. I remember thousands. that. Yeah. I employed, and when I say employed, paid in coffee my mother, who's also a teacher librarian, Um, I took out thousands because uh, cull hadn't been done in a long time. And it's actually an incredibly important part of being a teacher librarian or a library staff member is to constantly cull your collection because you need to be looking at, um, you know, like we looked at the age of resources. We looked at when it had last been borrowed. Each book that we took off the shelves, my mother checked. She checked the date. She checked the accuracy of the information if it was nonfiction. And she checked when it last had last been borrowed. Some of the books that we culled hadn't been borrowed um, for over 15 years. Oh. And um, so they need to go to allow space for books um which are going to be borrowed. When you are doing a good job with your culling, um, you are allowing space, I think, for real gems to shine. And in culling, you make your shelves a bit cleaner. And and by cleaner, I mean more minimalist. And and you can actually see the beautiful books through the ones which need to be rehomed. Okay. (laughs) 
the ones that just need a gentle kick out the door. Okay, question 11. If parents complain to the school librarian, what are they most likely to complain about? Always um, appropriateness of a book for their child. And right. My former library aide, the delightful Miss Olive, used to scuttle away when parents would come in to complain about um, appropriateness of books because she didn't like hearing me on my soapbox. But um, I I don't mind talking to parents about that sort of thing and um, sometimes gently challenging their ideas about why a book might not be appropriate. But sometimes I completely agree with the parent and I have to say, yeah, I'm really sorry, that book probably shouldn't have gone home with your child um, and let's find one that will be great for them. Question 12, tell the truth, do you still have a book overdue from your own school library? I really hope Miss Olive's not listening to this. Um, I have don't have a book from my own school library, but I've got a book from each of the libraries that I've worked at. <laughs> what, do you take them as souvenirs? No, it wasn't even conscious. Just over the time <laughs> since I've left, I've gone, oh, dear, there's a book from such and such school. Oops, bit late to take one back now so I've got a yeah it's almost is a bit like a souvenir isn't oh, it it's like a subconscious thing all right and the last question no names yeah but have you ever had an author come to visit your school with one of those kind of rock star style writers you know only green M&Ms and sparkling water from Iceland um I haven't but I've heard lots of stories about them the reason I and teacher librarians do talk amongst ourselves about um author visits and and who's great <laughs> who maybe has a rock star style writer that is difficult. I think the reason I haven't is because the wonderful Jenny Stubbs schooled me in the whole author visit thing and I don't tend to book an author until I've seen them first So I and I've always met them. So I, I'm pretty conscious of who I have in the society. <laughs> Look at you. You're so like a, that was very diplomatic. That was great. <laughs> well done. And I haven't been yet. So I'm just going to put that out there that I, I haven't been in with a rock star style writer yet but it's okay. I got asked the other day, uh, so I got asked the other day about, a, you know, for an author visit, I was doing a full day and they were like, you know, is there anything in particular that you'd like for lunch? And I sent back, I eat everything except bananas and I can't explain why, but as long as you don't give me bananas, I'm fine. I love that. And that was it. <laughs> I was just like, I thought I need to get better at the green M&Ms and the sparkling water from oh, Iceland. I'm going to book you just so you can tell me your banana thing. That's cute. Oh, I like my it. Mother, my mother wants to know, none of us eat bananas. We all used to eat bananas what? and then all of a sudden none of us eat bananas and she's like where did I go wrong because she is from Queensland and she feels like you should I just think it was too many squishy ones back mm. in the day you know mm. in the school you've bag. had a bad experience with oh, a banana a somewhere yeah, along the line <laughs> anyway um well that was excellent thank you for your secrets of a school librarian I'm gonna be pondering the dog food as the bookmark for quite some time to come um but in the meantime we shall move on to our quick tips and I have got some very useful pithy short tips this week they come from the wonderful Ellie Marnie who of course writes fantastic YA thrillers and may even have one coming out if not September another another new one in September or October I think it is um, she wrote me a fantastic post for my blog uh, a couple of years ago um, with uh, her top tips for writing YA thrillers and it's a great list of tips with links to other brilliant bits of info and I will put the link in the show notes at yourkidsnextread.com where you will find of course all of our bits and pieces of linking um, where we when we remember to do it um, but I've got three tips that I think are 
also very useful for young writers who might like to try writing this kind of story. And this is a really interesting one. The first one is this. In a thriller, your villain drives the story. So your protagonist is always chasing one step behind until the moment they catch up in the finale. So your villain is in the driver's seat, whereas, you know, often in a um, in a fantasy or in a kind of a, a hero sort of story, it's your hero who is driving the story. Well, in this case, it's all about the antagonist. Your villain drives the story. The second uh, tip is that conflict should continually escalate, like in any good novel. And in a thriller in particular, the ticking clock element is vital. Like if you're feeling like your story doesn't have quite enough, you know, conflict or there's not enough tension, put a clock on it. Make it have to happen within 24 hours or within three days or by the end of the week or the world will blow up. Um, Make sure there is a ticking clock. Um, And then the third tip, and I think this is a really great tip as well, is ask yourself what would the reader expect to happen here and then discard that. You want to write the unexpected. So if something is going on in your story and you feel as though this is exactly what the reader would expect, you need to throw that out the window, turn it on its head and turn it upside down. And those are the top three tips out of that post uh, of Elimani's top tips for writing YA thrillers. And you will find the link in the show notes. I love your um, blog for website for all those. You've got some amazing oh, there posts. Is some, there is some incredible information. Like the, my, I've been working, I've been writing that blog for 12 years mm. now. And over the years, I've had, you know, all manner of guest posts. I've had all manner of um interviews i've had all sorts of different things and so much of it is the kind of information that just never dies like it's always going to be relevant and so i can deep dive into all of these bits and pieces and pull them out whenever somebody asks me so it's definitely worth having a look if you are if you're writing for children or young adults or you have young writers in your life have a deep dive through the writing section of my website because there is so much mm. information there. When I used to teach Extension English, I often used your um, blog posts and, and some of your guest posts for my English Extension lessons with my grade six and seven. So, oh. yeah, I've often used it as a teaching tool as well. Oh, there you go. I'm a teaching tool. Yeah. How fantastic. Now, my quick tip this week is to get your hands upon the most amazing journal article. It is called Hark. Hands up who really loves their classroom reading program. Try this. Three approaches to reading instructions. It is by Mel Green. It is in the Australian Journal of Language and Literacy, which I love as a journal, um, and it's just come out. Mel Green has done a PhD around um, reading for enjoyment. And I was actually one of the subjects of her PhD research. So she shadowed me for quite some time and bring along delicious treats, I have to say, um, as bribery. But she sort of watched the way I taught reading for enjoyment, which is an enormous part of what I feel incredibly passionate about as a teacher librarian. I love all of the research stuff that I do as a teacher librarian and, you know, teaching lots of... um, other areas of teacher librarianship, but I will always have a deep passion for reading for enjoyment. So this article, um, and you can actually find Mel's entire PhD 
online and you can try and work out who I am because obviously I am named something different. Um, it actually took me a while to work out who I was, which is scary. <laughs> I didn't hilarious. recognize myself in a PhD. That is hilarious. But in this article, she outlines different facets of reading instruction and emphasizes how vital student engagement in reading for enjoyment is and the need for a dedicated reading for enjoyment program in schools, which is something that I've always tried to have in the schools that I work in. What I really love about all of Mel's work in the academic area is that she's supported by decades of research on children's reading and um, and the importance of the benefits of reading for enjoyment. It's something that we as teach librarians have always found really difficult to quantify. How schools are very data driven these days and how do we as teach librarians, you know, show that reading for enjoyment is is happening in, in what we do as teach librarians. So this article looks at um, the way reading is a contributing factor in wider academic success. Success, she looks at um, students reading for enjoyment as being a predictor of academic attainment, looking at how reading for enjoyment contributes to personal and social development and how reading engagement enhances emotional literacy and empathy. So I'm going to link to this article in the show notes. Uh, it is an absolute must read for all educators. I am sending it out to every educator I know and spreading it widely. And I was super proud to be a part of Mel's research for her PhD. Goodness me, we've just gone up a full level there. We're, we're we quoting, are so academic. We are, look at us quoting uh -huh. PhDs in, in PhDs, even if I we know. don't recognise ourselves I know, right? Mm -hmm. it's, pretty, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> um, so now that you're, you know, academic what will you be doing until we meet again well i really have leveled up with my parenting game since mrs malta introduced me to the um noise cancelling headphones i just feel like my whole life has been changed <laughs> i i don't That's have to so listen funny. I don't have to listen to the cornet practice. I mean, hello, whose child learns the cornet? We have three children doing the piano, one on the cornet, and a lot of screaming in the house about showers and who gets to get in first. I just love my noise-cancelling headphones. And at the moment, Mrs Malta put me on to Aurora Rising, which I had obviously read in print some yeah. time ago by Amy Kaufman. But the audio of it is just so beautiful and it's read by um, three different voices, which is, uh, you know, I haven't heard that in an audio book, I don't think ever. Mm. So I'm highly recommending Aurora Rising as an audio book. Oh, fantastic. Mm. Well, do you know what? I'm going to be going to Bundanon. I'm going to be doing my <laughs> business. And then I think I'm going to collapse in a heap for a few days because it has been very busy. I'm just going to lie down with, you know, Joe Vissa on repeat in my ears. Um, <laughs> and that's going to be me done because I, it, you know, it's exhausting. And I, I find yeah. particularly when I'm as out of practice as I have been, just Having to put my friendly face on and, and you know, smile at people for hours <laughs> on end it's, and, and wear things that are not my tracksuit pants. I don't know. I just don't know how I'm coping with this. Um, but I am very excited about um, September. I'm looking forward to getting back into my office and writing some things. I've been working through a whole like, – honestly, it's been one of those years for me of – working through a whole bunch of things and trying to figure out what I'm going to do next. And um, I've, I've got an idea now that I am very, very excited about. And so I'm sort of really looking forward to getting back into my office and having a go at that and seeing how it goes. I, I did write half another book this year. I have, oh my glory. in fact, I've written several, I've written several picture books, half a middle grade manuscript, and I've got to September and thought, 
it's not working for me at the moment. <laughs> I'm going to have to put that one aside. And it's a difficult thing as an author, you know, yeah, because that's a good knowing, but. But it's also a point you've got to you've got to make the decision of whether or not you're you're putting it aside because it's too hard and you've got a better idea, or you're putting it aside because it's really just not working. Um, so I've had three different goes of maybe I maybe I just I'm not in the right space for it. So maybe I just need to keep pressing through, push through, push through. Um, but having done that three times now, I'm 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 happy to put my hands up in the air and go, it's not working. I'm going to go and dive into this other idea, which just is exciting me in a way that the that the other one wasn't. Mm. It's a funny thing. You mm. get excited about every new idea, but there's there's excitement and then there's, oh, yes, I am actually in love with this. This is what I <laughs> want to do. So that's what I'm going to be doing. I'll be falling in love with an idea. And I you know what? That. In three months' time, I'll be saying to you, this is so hard. I don't know why I started. <laughs> but that's what we're going to do. Um, all right. So in the meantime, you will find all of our show notes at yourkidsnextread.com. Uh, you will find me at Alison Tate, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T.com. And you will find Megan Daly at childrensbooksdaily.com. And we are both on all the socials, you know, doing all the things that one does, you know, tweeting, reeling. Are you doing reels? Are you still doing reels? And no. I gave up on those. Gave up on those. <laughs> anyway, anyway, we're in all the places and we would love to connect with you. So come and say hello. And in the meantime, we will see you next time. See you later.